0: All right, good. We're going to move on with our series. I actually want to just take a moment before we do that. I just feel stirred in my heart this morning. Um, This journey we've been on and even landing at the end of worship with this um, clarity that God is in this space, is in this room. The Father is here to heal our hearts And there's a purpose in in the healing of our hearts that I just want to just take a moment. This is not what I want to speak about this morning, but it's what I want to just mention for a moment. There's, uh, I think, a significant purpose in why it would be that we would have healthy, healed, restored hearts. Because there's something about the way in which our hearts have to respond to this world that we live in that is critical to the transformation that every single one of us want to see in this world. We want to see people's lives transformed by the love and power of Jesus. We want to see uh, our city significantly impacted and changed and transformed because the love and power of Jesus shows up manifest in your life and on your life to those you come into contact with. So there's this, there's this thing of, 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 this morning has taken the opportunity to, again, just present ourselves to God and say, healers and restorers, I want my heart to be healthy. You know, Jesus had uh, a healthy heart as he walked to the face of the earth. And just this morning in worship, I was drawn to Matthew 9. And these verses I just want to read to you. And it says, And Jesus went throughout all of the cities and villages, teaching in the, their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. If there's any water in the building, that would be amazing. Um, I feel like this moment is really important because there's something, um, thank you, there's something that was demonstrated in the heart of Jesus that I think we need to just get. See, for most of us, we are—we operate from a have-to mentality. And it is, a mental, it is a mentality. Jesus, in these verses, he was moved by compassion, which actually had nothing to do with his head and had everything to do with his heart and his, and his everything as he saw something and responded out of the health and wholeness of his heart. So much of, I think, what we find ourselves as believers doing is walking around... The planet, the world, our workplaces, our families. We walk in Manchester and we, we cerebrally take in what's going on around us. And, and at some level, we feel like we have to. Like our response often to the need we see around is, I have to. And the Bible tells me so, I have to. And I feel like what Jesus opens up in, in, in these verses is something that highlights the fact that we never have to, but we are entirely to be moved to. Like there's something about operating out of a healthy heart which moves us with compassion. That our response to brokenness, our response to orphan heartedness, our response to the lost, lonely, broken. It's not a have-to mentality, it's a move-to moment. It's like when our lives step into moments around us. And I'm not just talking about the brokenness of homelessness, although that is a very real thing. You in your life will encounter on a daily basis, in your family, in your streets, in your workplaces, people that are are broken, that need to know Jesus. And I have to tell you that as a community, I don't want us to operate out of a have-to mentality. I want us, in this moment of having our hearts healed, just like as Jesus walked the earth with the purity of heart that he did, that when he saw that need, he was moved. So if it's all right, I'd like to continue with this journey and just pray for us. Um, like I can say it's nothing, this isn't what I want to speak on, but it is what I feel like the Father wants to do. So is that all right? All right, just place your hand on your heart. Father, I thank you that you're healing hearts this morning. You're getting us healed and whole and set free, not just for ourselves, as beautiful as it is to be healed and whole and set free, to have full relationship with you. That's beautiful. But you move in our hearts so that you can move through our hearts. I sense that even this week, some of you have been in situations and in conversations where you've almost been moved to tears, and you've caught a glimpse of what it is to be motivated by compassion, something that, that, that isn't tangible through words, but it's tangible through how your heart and even your, your very body felt in a moment when you had a conversation and you encountered need, or you even watched something on the TV this week. There's some, some people have watched some things on the TV this week, and it's moved your heart with compassion. And actually, I, feel, I just actually pro- prophesied that there would be even new businesses, ideas, creative thinking that would come because we move, we're move we moved with compassion to resolve a problem of brokenness, to, re- to resolve a problem of orphan-heartedness. And we know that, Jesus, you connect us to the Father, which deals with our hearts' orphan-heartedness. But ultimately, God, I thank you that in, even in this room, you're going to give creative ideas, you're going to give even business ideas, that will um, create space and opportunity for, uh, for, for people's lives to be touched in a way where they will be healed, restored. And Father, we pray for the lost and the vulnerable and the lonely. God, would you move our hearts with compassion for them? I thank you that you're moving us from a, a have-to mentality and into a moved-to through compassion. Jesus, you are right at the very center of who we are. You are in us and you are the very hope of glory. So we lead into you, very hope of the world. And we say, would you become known? Would you become manifest? Would you become visible through our lives? In Jesus' name. Amen. Good, good, good. Um, We're in this uh, amazing season. We're at the beginning of of this journey of looking at um <clears throat> healthy roots, healthy fruit is this water or protein? Great. Healthy roots, healthy fruit. And um if you've got your Bibles, pull them out. We are going to be in uh, primarily in Matthew six and Matthew seven. Um, that's kind of where we're going we're gonna to base ourselves um, this morning. There'll be some other verses I'll read to you just to set um, this morning up. But really, this, <clears throat> this journey we've been on over the last few weeks, and, and if you weren't here, we had a guest speaker last week, Darren. How many of you enjoyed what Darren had to share? I felt like he just came and added strength and weight to this series as we looked at having an unoffended heart. Again, looking at the reality of the landscape inside of ourselves and what that then does as we demonstrate it as it gets worked out in and through our lives. But anyway, he was amazing. You can grab a podcast on that. Um, but what we're doing in this series is really paying attention to what's going on below the surface. It's, um, it really is the key to producing healthy fruit that we have paid attention to and at some level... We are aware of, we understand the significance of the root systems that lie beneath the soil of our lives, out of which healthy fruit grows. And I want to talk to you about developing a healthy root system of prayer. I want to talk to you this morning about laying a foundation, the foundation of prayer. Because I believe that healthy roots produce lasting, healthy fruit. That's why we're looking at this whole series I've um very recently in the last couple of months I've started CrossFit on a Monday and a Wednesday and a Friday morning. When you are waking up, I've probably already done what I had to do. Get up at five thirty in the morning and I go and stretch for half an hour and then I do CrossFit for an hour. And it's been killing me. I'm literally standing up here now in pain. My calves, squats are literally from the devil. It doesn't say it in the Bible, but it's a reality. Squats are from the devil. Um it's been an interesting journey because let me tell you where this journey started for me. It started with the realization that when I walk to my bedroom, which is three flights of stairs, I'm tired. And when I say I'm tired, I actually need to be honest with you and say I'm exhausted. <laughs> and I realized very quickly that <clears throat> that uh, I'm super unhealthy. I'm really unhealthy. And, uh, and I had to do something about that, so I decided... Uh, to go and do something about it and do CrossFit, and I remember the very first session I went to. Um, in, in this further uh, understanding of the reality of my unhealthiness, I, I I did the first CrossFit session, and my two aims during that hour became very, very, uh, just became very sharply in focus. My main aim for that hour's uh, CrossFit, that first session, was to please don't pass out, please don't throw up. That would be embarrassing. And I just about managed to hold both of those two things together. And again, in this kind of journey of realizing that what was inside of me, my healthy state, my core, was incredibly unhealthy, I realized that um, I had to do something about this. So this has been my journey. And so hopefully, uh, I'm I'm not there, but we are journeying towards being more healthy and ultimately to be able to go to bed and not be out of breath. Like I think that's a reasonable aim for a, a man who is just under his 40s. You're, you're, you know that Sarah turned forty a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah, so she's she's definitely forty, <coughs> but I'm I'm nowhere near that. But uh, obviously, <coughs> sorry, but I'm getting healthier. And one of the things I realised very quickly was <coughs> that the the you know they talk in health terms about the core not being very strong, like that was what I really realised that as I tried painfully to do one. Uh, push-up. I realized like this wasn't just an issue of no strength in my arms. My whole body was failing to like hold itself together as like I collapsed on the floor. Like there was no strength, no core. And uh, this whole journey for us about having healthy roots and, and discovering healthy fruit is really a journey into health. It's a journey of recognizing that there is a core spiritually to our lives and there are principles within scripture. There is a journey for us to go in to get healthy. We've already looked along this journey, and i want to bring you up to speed. We've already looked at this journey, and um, <clears throat> Sarah, a few weeks ago, began that journey by so helpfully uh, helping us understand that, that it is uh, this journey of us abiding in Christ, us abiding in Jesus, and Jesus abiding in us. That was the starting place. And then we, we springboarded into understanding that there is a, a seed of new birth that's planted in our life. That actually through salvation, through baptism, through being filled with the Holy Spirit, that there is new life that comes to each one of our lives. And then Mark took us beautifully into being rooted in Scripture. Nurturing a love for and building a foundation on the Word of God. Amazing where we've been so far. And these first few weeks have really been about us laying a foundation. And I guess that's what roots really are. They're a foundation. You know, when you plant a seed in the ground, the first thing that happens is not fruit. The the first thing that happens when you plant a seed in your life is what? Roots. And so our expectation as we nurture new life, in Jesus, in our lives, is that it has developed and cultivated a strength of roots that is to sustain significant fruit. And that's why this series is so important. It's not about, it's not just a pastoral series that is helping us better our life. It's saying there's a significant call on every single one of your lives. And so in, in recognizing that call, we have to recognize there's a healthy root structure that needs to go underneath, right? That's why it's so important. And what Sam and Mark um, did um, when they shared about uh, the new birth and salvation and the reality of being baptized and being filled with the Holy Spirit and our need for being anchored to the Word of God is they, they hovered around some verses in Acts 2. And I want to bring us back to those briefly by way of setting up where I want to share and what I want to share this morning. <clears throat> and it was in Acts 2 when Peter... Um, the disciples had met in the upper room. They'd been filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to preach the gospel. And um, in preaching the gospel, the crowds were deeply impacted by the, Peter's message. And in Acts 2, verse 38, we'll pick up the story. It says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children, for all uh, who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And then we springboard into what happens with this early group of believers, this this impacted crowd, this group of early Jesus followers. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who was in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So verse 42 in this old passage is laying a beautiful foundation for what we see in the early church and I think what should be reflected in our church, what was laid a foundation. And they laid a foundation of being rooted in scripture being rooted in Jesus in that they reminded themselves every day as they broke bread of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. They laid a foundation of community fellowship in that they they shared their lives together. This became the fertile ground, this community, this fellowship became the fertile ground in which the the culture of the early church was birthed. And finally, it says that they... um, they laid a foundation of prayer. That as a community, as as individuals, they, they were held together by the word of God. They were held together by the personal work of Jesus. But they were held together through their fellowship and through prayer. Scripture, community, Jesus and his transforming work on the cross and prayer. This became their foundation. This became their root system. And it's the beautiful foundation that I believe we get to establish and set in this family, in this community. It's the thing that we get to nurture in lives individually, but more importantly, we get to nurture in lives together. And the beautiful thing is it sets us up to produce healthy fruits. And today we're zeroing in, we're placing our focus in... uh, our root systems and on our root systems of prayer. We want to commit to and, and journey with the, the challenge to lay a foundation of prayer in our own lives personally and the lives of this, the life of this church family. And foundations are a really important thing because they're what you build on. Foundations are what you establish, They what uh, are, you're orientated towards. Much like a root system, what you establish or what, you, what you're founded on, your foundation, determines the way in which you are established, the way in which you're orientated. And I want to dive into a couple of bits of scripture. We're actually going to begin in Matthew chapter seven. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open them there. If you've got those paper ones, they'll, they'll rustle a bit. If you're on an iPhone, you know you can do this up and down thing. Uh, but Matthew 7, and uh, we're going to be uh, looking at um, verse 24 and 25. And this, um, these verses come right at the end of a really important um, time in Jesus' life when he was delivering what um, people would have said and people now regard as the most significant uh, Significant teaching that Jesus did. It's the Sermon on the Mount. He's wrapping that all up in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and and 25. And he says this Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on the house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I want you to build a firm foundation. I want you to be founded on the wisdom of my words. Being founded literally means to be established, to be orientated. That's what it means. And Jesus is saying that there's something really important that I've just said. Something very significant, very important. And I want you to build, establish, orientate yourself towards these words. I want you to build your life as if your life depended on it, on these words that I've spoken in the same way as if you were building a house, you would build it on a firm foundation. He's saying these words I've just said, they're a firm foundation. I want you to be established on these words as if it, if as if your life depended on it. That's the weight that Jesus is giving to his words. And we'll come to one of those things that he says in just a second. But I want it to be absolutely clear because from these verses, Jesus is not just saying Hey, I want you to be clear in your hearing of these words. He says, I want you to be clear in your hearing, but I want you to do them. There's an activation. It's not just simply that we would glean these foundational words on which we would build our lives just by osmosis, by sitting around and hearing them. But he throws out the challenge. If you're going to build your life on a rock, on a firm foundation, on a strong root system, you're going to have to do something about it. So what are these words of mine that Jesus is saying? Well, if you jump back to Matthew 6, I want to point to you uh, towards what I believe is one of the key hearts behind Jesus' whole message leading up to this challenge to build on these words. Matthew 6, verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites For they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what you've done in secret will reward you. There'll be fruit. And when you pray... Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they uh, think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need even before you ask him. Verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and lead us... uh, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I want to leave it there. Jesus is saying, listen to what I'm saying and then do it. And if you do, you'll be like the man who builds his house on the firm foundation of a solid rock. And so much so that when the waves, the storms, the rain comes in and around your life, you won't be shaken because you will have heard, you will have done, and you will have built your life on the instruction of my words. And this is what Jesus is saying in Matthew 6, verse 5, 6, and 9, say these four things. And when you pray, but when you pray, and when you pray, this then is how you should pray. It's when you pray. It's not if you pray. Jesus calls us to, to, to pray. There's a call to action. There's not just a call to listen. There's a call to action. He calls us to pray. If you're following Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, he's assuming that you will pray. Because he says, when you pray, when you pray. It's not if you pray. There's a call and there's an expectation that we will do, that we'll respond. In other words, there's an expectation that we will establish something in our lives, that we will build upon something in our lives, that we'll be orientated from a place in our lives that is rooted on, fixed on, and established on prayer. There's not much wriggle room there, it's an expectation. Individually and corporately, we are a people who pray. I feel like um, a challenge is coming to our community, not just on this Sunday, but in the weeks and months that lie ahead. I believe that there's a challenge of maturity that's coming to our church in this whole area of prayer. And I, I feel like I want to I bring this to you by way of challenge, not above you, but alongside you. I know that this is a word I need to hear and own and respond to as much as, as anyone else in the room. I'm preaching to myself. So that should encourage you. Listen, for Jesus, it wasn't a polite request. It wasn't you know, if you've got time or if you think about it or if you can create a window in your highly developed and busy lives, then maybe pray. He brought it to the level of expectation that he required and a response for us whereby we would build the very infrastructure of our lives on a reality of prayer. There's a requirement, and it's coming not from a pastor on a stage, but from Jesus, who's living inside you. There's a, a, an urgency, there's a, a requirement from him. It's way above my paid grade, so I'm just telling you what Scripture tells me. It's coming from Jesus. And I sense there's more for us as a church family. There's more for us to own in this whole area of prayer. A sense there's a season that actually God is is setting aside for us uh, to establish ourselves, both individually and corporately in prayer. That's a declaration. I, I believe that we're stepping into a significant season where God is asking and requiring of us to respond differently than we've responded before to not continually abdicate responsibility of prayer to somebody else, but to corporately and individually take hold of our responsibility. And again, I'm preaching to myself to build with the very infrastructure of who I am something that is rooted and grounded in prayer. You know, laying a foundation of prayer is what the Bible here in these verses is calling us to do. Some of us like to pray pray. Some of us don't. I believe that every single one of us has a desire to pray because if you, like I say, if you, if you love Jesus, if you're following Jesus and you're filled with the Spirit, then you will have a desire to pray. You may need to go find that desire, but it's there because ultimately Holy Spirit is constantly and continually pulling us towards intimacy with the Father, which is entirely what prayer is all about. So if we are ones who have the reality of new birth in Jesus in and on our lives, if we have been baptized, if we are filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a desire in us to pray. Because Holy Spirit is going to continually pull us into intimacy with the Father. But I'm challenged about the days and the the season that we live in. I know with my own kids, it's hard enough to get them to engage with me when I'm personally in the room. Because of screens. Let alone the reality, as, as even verse 6 talks about here, that, that we're to go into a room, we're to close the door, not so we can fire up the Xbox, so that actually we can talk to somebody who, the Bible's really clear, is unseen. Like we struggle enough with one another when we can see each other in the room, let alone this journey of of developing a and nurturing and establishing ourselves in a prayer life with the unseen. But Jesus says something pretty profound in Matthew 6. He says that the the healthy roots of prayer lead to a fruit. The unseen, the, the secret life of prayer, it leads to fruit. It leads to something that would be seen. I'll read again to you. Verse 6 says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what you've done in secret will reward you. This is the context of healthy roots out of which healthy fruit shows itself. Roots are unseen. They are the, they are the secret place in our life. That's what roots are. They are below the surface. But they have a direct impact on what's seen above the surface, what goes on above the ground. You know, we can have, we can have all the seen stuff in the world. We can have worship services, we can have incredible worship leaders, we can have great, phenomenal teaching... We can have great programs, we can love the poor, we can share the gospel, we can, we can encourage one another's leaders to go lead and have influence in our city, but if it's not connected to, fueled by, and strengthened by the unseen, then it will not have impact. Like, and herein lies our challenge, because herein lies the response to what Jesus told us to do, and herein lies our key to our success in that, are we strengthened by, fueled by, connected to a secret life of prayer, both as individuals and corporately, that would sustain the very heart cry of our community, which is to see all that stuff and more. To see the lost saved, to see us encounter God glory and worship, to get better teaching, if that's even possible. You know, we want all of that stuff, but is it connected to, is it, is it stemmed from, fueled by a heart and a life and a commitment to prayer? And listen, this stuff, this stuff we can't delegate to somebody else. You know, we hear the stories of revivals, even in our own nations. We hear the stories where, where, where a couple of old ladies were holed up in a house just praying for years and years and years, and then God breaks out. And I love those stories. But what I'm realizing is I can't delegate my responsibility to a couple of old ladies. I love intercessors. I love, th- there are, they're not old ladies, but there are ladies and men that pray for us, that pray for our community. They, they spread our, they're spread across the world. There are people that are praying for our community. I love that. I love that but it does not permit me to delegate my responsibility to lay a foundation of prayer in my life and in our family's life, out of which and on which God wants to create and display glorious fruit. No one else can carry the responsibility to lay the root structure of prayer In and for the impact and the vision and the visible of what this church is called to, no one else is. No one else can be delegated that responsibility. I can't give that responsibility to a prayer ministry. I can't give that responsibility to faithful old women to intercessors. There is no one else that can take that responsibility. It is not the job of a prayer house. It is not the job of somebody outside of ourselves. It is the corporate responsibility of our community to own our call to pray. To build and lay a foundation that is so strong that we could build something glorious. That God could come and build something glorious for the sake of our city, for the sake of the lost on us. That's why if you've checked out, I know we're running late. Some of you have got to go get your kids. That's absolutely fine. If you have checked out and you're praying somewhere else, I would ask you to come home and pray and strengthen our community here. I believe passionately that there are those that are burdened to pray, that have an intercessory heart, and you have, del- you have moved outside of community to explore and uh, develop that heart and burden for prayer, and you've negated your responsibility to nurture and enrich it here in this family. And my call to you is I need you. I need you to come and strengthen our family in a way that, we're n- that we are not strengthened right now. Let me be honest with you. I feel like as a community, we're weak in this whole area of prayer. And I'll take responsibility for it myself. But I will say, if, you have, if you've not looked to point your life towards this community to stir us, if you carry a burden for prayer, if you carry a heart for intercession, and you're not pointing that towards strengthening, this is why I love Acts 2. Because there's a picture of community that says, our love for the scripture, our love for Christ, our love for, for fellowship, our love for prayer. It happens in the context of community because when there is an acceleration of what God does in your life, in my life, we all grow. This is the beauty of community. And for some of you, there is a, there's a choice and you've made a choice to, to pursue that prayer initiative outside of ourselves. I want to call you home. I want to call you to come and invest so that we are stronger as a result. Listen, this is the culture we are called to establish. It doesn't get established from a pulpit. It doesn't get established from one message. It doesn't get established because we happen to have one meeting a month called The Watch where we set time aside. It doesn't get established through those things. It gets established through the hearts and lives of people that own and take their responsibility and In a corporate setting we fuel and stimulate and encourage one another to go further than we've ever gone before, to establish and lay a foundation that right now I don't believe is strong. And it happens in the secret place. It's played out together as we strengthen and champion and encourage one another in this journey together. This is why in community is so important. It's a common unity. It's what community is. It's a common unity whereby we say we're going to own some things together and we're going to strengthen ourselves together and we're going to lay a foundation of something together on which something glorious God can build. So where do we start? Where do we start? Just in the final few minutes, I want to just run through the end of this Matthew um, 6. I want, to, I want to run through just a framework because for some of you, you don't know where to start. Others of you, you're carrying a deep burden. Bring that burden home. For some of you, you just don't even know where to start. So here is a whistle-stop guide to starting what I believe will strengthen us on into the future. This is what Jesus said in verse 9. He said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Listen, we are not throwing words out into the void. Prayer is entirely the invitation to draw close as sons and daughters and to strengthen relationship with Father. That's what communication does. That's what communication does. It strengthens relationship. You know, um, prayer is not founded on militancy. It's founded on intimacy. You know, for some of us, we're out there just beating our hands in the air in some sort of militant act, but actually there's a call to intimacy in prayer. Communication is the vehicle that connects us. Prayer is the vehicle that connects us with intimacy that drives us closer to him. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is his name. <clears throat> there's a recognition in this moment in prayer, prayer 101 and radical news that I can have relationship with God. God. That I have been made holy because he is holy. That I can see myself as a son and daughter in the light of who my father is. It helps us understand that anything that we pray for is submitted to a very big father. So no matter how big, how small, whatever you're contending for, whatever you're believing for in this secret place of prayer, it, it bows its knee to the reality of a holy God. An awesome God. And we see ourselves in the light of who he is. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, anything we pray is subject to a very different system. We speak words not into a void, but we speak words to a father. We draw close because of the intimate relationship he calls us to, to have with him. Because we now know that praying as a son or a daughter of God... There are the things that we see from an earthly perspective, we now see from a heavenly perspective. This is what Jesus is helping us to understand that our prayer life is not subject to the earthly reality we find ourselves in, but it's now overlaid by a heavenly reality. Isn't that amazing that we can come to God with our hurts, our pains? Our challenges, our needs, whatever it is. And he can overlay heaven and say, I'm placing the full resource of heaven over you, your life, your prayer. And you begin to look and see those things in a completely different light. This is the reality of of prayer. Give us today our daily bread. I love this. A better translation for this is give us today the bread of tomorrow. And it's saying, God, would you again, would you overlay the reality of heaven? Everything that's stored up for me as a heavenly reality. Would you break that into my life and my prayer and what I'm contending for in such a way that I only see heaven? I only see hope. Where there was sickness, I see healing. Where Where I'm experiencing depression, I just see hope. So in essence, the things that we've often contended for really hard, it's actually as simple as saying, I just need a different perspective. I need to see this thing in the reality of a future age, a heavenly age, blueprinted, overlapped, overlaid into my reality. And I see things completely differently because things change when heaven breaks in. And forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Look, this is a posture of prayer which recognizes something which is highly valuable to God. What's highly valuable to God is the relationships that we have with one another. And therefore, our, our prayer points us to honor and love and ultimately to forgive one another. God places a high value on it so it becomes part of the very nature of our prayer. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, in our prayer life, there is a commitment to walk in holiness and righteousness. There is a desire to to communicate um, that and build upon that with our lives. It's not just, a th- you know, these words, how many of you grew up in schools where you just recounted these words, maybe even daily? These are not words to recount daily. This is a reality of prayer that should be manifest in our lives so much so that I'm walking in right relationship with God because I'm declaring and praying that that I am now in right relationship with the Father. You know, and also I think it helps us hone our understanding that from that place of prayer, I'm going to go and build a life that stays connected to the Father. I'm going to stay well away from sin, which would keep me away from the Father, because I have developed and cultivated a life that is in pursuit of full connection with God. So there are simple keys, even in this, this one section of, you know, we could give the rest of the year just to outworking the, the values behind Jesus' prayer. And these are them that we affirm and pray from a place of sonship. That we know that through intimacy, we have a Father who we see ourselves and our situations in the light of. That we know through intimacy with God that we can declare and pray over in faith that the reality of the kingdom of heaven can break into whatever season of life we're in. And that we can respond to God with our lives in prayer with his highest value for connection with others and connection with him. It's beautiful. It's not just words we chuck out there religiously. It's a beautiful narrative of connection and and knowing the Father and being close to him and talking with him. And No wonder we have to get into a room and close the door because we could spend hours and hours just unpacking the reality of who God is in the inner soil of my life. I can spend hours just allowing this, this stuff to just permeate who I am. It's out of which God wants to and wants my life to be fruitful. Of course, we want our prayer life, both individually and corporately, to come out of a delight and a desire. I get that. It would be amazing to think that all of this was, would simply be a response to, it's my delight, it's my desire. But let me tell you, there is a mixture of dedication, devotion, and discipline. You know, a root, a healthy root structure is going to take those things. Dedication, devotion, and discipline. We want our lives, of course, to flow beautifully and seamlessly out of desire and out of delight. But there's a healthy mixture of me just applying myself to the words of Jesus to know that I can build my life on a solid rock and I can respond in the doing of my life to build a foundation of prayer. Why don't you stand? I'm going to pray. I actually just want to pray one thing and then uh, prayer team, if you could just come and make yourselves available in a second. And, um. Mm-hmm. Keys or something else can play. It was fun having keys play last week. All right. Why don't you, uh, one of you close your eyes? Father, I thank you for your presence with us this morning. And as we uh, look to respond to the challenge of your word, we don't do it out of duty and obligation. We do it out of love. Like we love you. There's there's no room in this place for a religious practice. There is only room in this place for a, a relational response. And Jesus, we respond this morning, not just in a moment, but with the rest of our lives to laying a foundation of prayer that is not yet there. Father, I own our community's weakness in this area. I ask God that you would send and resend mothers and fathers who carry a burden to prayer to establish and stimulate and encourage us in this whole area of prayer. But again, God, we don't devoid ourselves of responsibility. We say yes to you this morning. And Father, in saying yes to you this morning, we say yes to you tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the day after as we find that space individually to get in a room to close that door and to be with you. Father, we're committed to healthy fruit. We're committed to seeing the reality of your kingdom outworked in this beautiful family. But we want to take up our corporate responsibility to lay a foundation, to strengthen ourselves where we need strengthening, to commit ourselves where we need to go again. So, Father, I thank you for the privilege of getting to lay our lives down as Jesus did for us for the sake of your gospel, for the sake of your kingdom, and for the sake of the beautiful fruit that you want to see outworked in and through this amazing church. So in this moment, we say that we love you and we choose in the moments that follow to demonstrate that love as we commit to establishing that foundation of prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here this morning and uh, you'd love someone just to stand with you and pray with you, this amazing group of entirely men this morning, Uh, I'm sure there are some ladies who would love to get over there and pray this morning. But if you're here and you're sick, we want to pray for you. If you felt God's presence this morning and you maybe wouldn't consider yourself to be a Christian, but you felt something this morning and you want to respond to that, then head over there. They'd love to pray for you. Just invite God to come and meet you again this morning. If there's anything you're going through, you'd love someone to stand with you and pray for you. Head over there this morning. God bless you. Have an amazing week. If you're here for the very first time, head over to our meet and greet area. We'd love to see you. We've got a gift for you. Other than that, stick around. Have some refreshments. Grab your kids and have an amazing week. Bless you guys.